0: So line, right? yeah. yeah, I decided to adult
1: today. I mean, you actually look pretty good. <laughs> got a shower and everything. <laughs> looks like, it looks like you've actually slept. I did do a lot of sleeping. Good. Yeah. Just kind of sucks, because I was, I was hoping to, to relax this week, actually, towards the end of the week, because um, it's my birthday tomorrow, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm not going to get to do that. I got a ton of work to catch up on. I've got, I'll be traveling
0: next week, so I'm just... I oh, don't know. Yeah, there's no rest on birthdays anymore. No. It seems like you should get your birthday off. That, why is that not in like a national cultural tradition thing? It's not. <laughs> you have to work on your birthday. Yeah. Anyway. I'm an old man, so I shouldn't care about those things, but... Well, happy early birthday, John. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, this will, this will probably be a short show, I guess, since um, we're starting late and you're not feeling good and all that stuff, but uh, before, right before you walked in, though, Salesforce released their... I guess it would be their Q2... Uh, 2019 earnings? No, I heard those were on the horizon. I knew they were coming up soon. I'd, I figured they would like release them right after we record because that's what they usually do. I right. Mean, they, they, you know, I know they got Mark Hawkins who gets on our website looks at our recording schedule and he's <laughs> like, okay, we're going to record the day after this. <laughs> or we're going we're gonna to release earnings the day after this recording.
1: But anyway. Um, we could always change our recording date to Thursday since they always release on a Wednesday.
0: I know. Well, we've actually changed our recording date before. Because of that? We used to did we? Yeah, we, we have. Yeah, yeah, we did. Anyway, I don't know. There's a lot of news. I mean, I think it was uh, some s- some aspects of it were a little disappointing. I just looked in like the after after hours. Let me look again. After hour trading, looked looked down. Couple of couple of dollars. Yeah, three three and a half dollars. Two two percent. So uh, I think the thing that was disappointing was their Q3 guidance. Mm-hmm. So Q2, I mean, revenues were up twenty seven percent. I did read that some of the some of the predictions, I guess, the street was expecting maybe thirty percent year over year, but it was twenty-seven. So I don't know. Still seems, still seems pretty good. And also, I think that was in line with Salesforce's own. What was that call when they basically they basically tell you what they're gonna do, <laughs> what they're gonna come in with. This, the expectation setting, or yeah, I guess setting so. expectations, or whatever yeah. that is. But yeah, it was like, okay. Yeah, so it was the Q3 EPS guidance that was down. It was they were wanting like fifty-four cents, and I guess this is what it was. And Salesforce has lowered that now to fifty cents mm. per share. So. Yeah, and one of the like one of the headlines was Salesforce waivers on lower guidance. So hopefully we're not seeing the uh, the beginning of the doom and gloom uh, just coming the out. when they when they hit the point that because I mean if you look at like currently like their PE is two hundred based on today's whatever their PE is two hundred twenty three. That's mm-hmm. so that's a price to earnings ratio. Whereas like um, I always like to compare them to Adobe because they're. And they're kind of in similar businesses but Adobe is um, I think 50 around 50 PE so Salesforce stock is you know four what is that four times Almost, a little more than four times more expensive in terms of what I guess value mm. if you're paying if you consider that you're paying for earnings um, and Salesforce is also the 57x f- uh, forward earnings I think that's based on like 2020 estimates so even down the road like as far as we can predict it's still it's still expensive. So again, if they uh, if they are wavering, then it's gonna it's gonna hit the stock price big time. Because at some point, like they've either got to grow into these, grow into their stock price, which is really 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 high. Um, or the stock price has to come down. Um, so, it, wasn't
1: this my, the quarter that uh, the MuleSoft acquisition was going to be in? It
0: is, yeah. Did um, that impact it? I think I'm guessing that's probably why the Q3 EPS guidance was lower. Hmm. Because they've got, I think they've got a guide lower because MuleSoft was not profitable. Um, I think they contributed like, uh, oh, I don't you know, I'm making this up. I saw some number, where I guess, I think it was Salesforce's unrecognized revenues were like 21 billion and like 200 million of that was MuleSoft. Was that about a percent? hmm So they're not contributing. I mean, percentage-wise, it's not a big contribution to Salesforce at this point. And, and the earnings-wise, I, I think it hurts them, you know, profitability-wise. hmm And I'll I'll tell you where else it hurts. I noticed that, again, this was the first quarter that MuleSoft was factored into their finances and their goodwill. So the good, you know, we talk about good, their goodwill a lot, because it's been creeping up, you know, and I think it's been like 35, 40%. And and last quarter, it was 7 billion. This quarter is 12.2 billion. And if you look at their their total assets are like 24 or 25 billion. Mm And over twelve billion of it, so like about half is of their assets is goodwill, which is uh, nothing. It's can't do anything with it. In fact, it's eventually got to get written down, right? That's my understanding of it. I guess, yeah. I, I don't fully understand goodwill. I know anytime, basically, anytime you overpay for a company, it goes everything you paid over and beyond what it's actually what its book value is, or whatever, or what yeah. it was trading for, or whatever. That goes into goodwill. It's got to go somewhere just because of double entry bookkeeping. And the way we, probably SEC rules and all that too. Um, but eventually that's got to be written down. And It's got to be replaced by the actual performance of that asset that you bought. Because the reason you overpay for an asset is because you think that you're going to be able to grow it bigger than what other people think it's worth right now. Right. Anyway. I read, um, I got a couple of quotes. This is from yesterday actually. I was reading like on what to expect. But someone was saying that, uh, co- I guess this is an analyst. Competition from Microsoft Dynamics has decreased significantly versus Q1. Huh. It said that uh, 38% of respondents indicated that Microsoft Dynamic is becoming more competitive in CRM deals, but last quarter that number was 79%. Yeah, and then it just keeps going down, I guess. Why is that? I don't know. Um, okay, let me, there's another thing here. Thanks primarily to its leadership in the high-growth collaboration segment, Microsoft's annual revenue is running at 45%. Wow. Is it really uh, far? Far surpassing overall market growth, Salesforce remains the dominant player in CRM. But CRM is relatively low growth compared to other SaaS segments, enabling Microsoft to pull way ahead in the overall SaaS market. Um, why is that? I don't know. i you know, it just seems like Dynamics is kind of stuck in the small and medium business. It's I don't mm-hmm. think it, I just don't think it's so. It doesn't seem like it's suitable for the large enterprise stuff at this point. And You have to ask yourself, well, why? Why not? I mean, Microsoft has vast more resources than Salesforce does in all areas. Why don't they just, why are they not killing it with Dynamics? I think it's because they don't want to. I think they're just like, it is what it is. They don't really care that much about doing what Salesforce is doing, which is basically Salesforce just keeps buying market share and buying customers. I mean, when you look at their, I noticed their their marketing sales line on the income statement has bumped back up. So they're not bending that curve at all. They're still having to basically wine, dine, party, and buy their customers, their revenues. Mm-hmm. And I think Microsoft's just like, nah, we'll let Salesforce eat their own tail. We're not doing that. But <laughs> well, we're happy with our, the little piece we have. It's small and medium business. It serves a lot of our customers really well. you know. And you can customize it with .NET or whatever. So the story is fine. Um, we'll, just, we'll let Salesforce buy whatever the other part of the business they want. It's not worth it. I think Microsoft, I mean, they have a different ethic and a different uh, expectation from the market on making money. They have to make money. And they have to be, you know, they have to make a certain amount of money. They have to have a certain percentage of profit and all that,
1: you know, to... I guess that's true. I mean, I guess if Dynamics is at least covering its cost and it's profitable, it doesn't matter that it's not on a huge growth trajectory because it's not that, it's not Microsoft's primary business. Right. So it's it's okay for a division to kind of just
0: coast, I guess. Right, right. I mean, I think Microsoft just focused on AWS and... You know, it's going to be. Looks like it's you know a, a an AWS, Microsoft, Google world. No Oracle. No, I mean, as far as I can tell, it's just their their cloud thing is basically kind of a joke. Hmm. I mean, it's there, but you know, there was some there was some bad press a few weeks ago that how they were forcing customers into their cloud, and then when, you know that kind of got out, and and I think it hurt their stock a little bit and all that, but. You think Apple will ever get into this business, or they're just
2: not interested? Oh, no, I
0: don't think they're interested at all. No, um, I mean they—they they, obviously they're in cloud because they host, yeah, um, iCloud, all the iCloud stuff, and music, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, and I don't know if that runs on Apple infrastructure. I think they do actually operate a lot of their own infrastructure, but I don't think they're interested in the, you know, selling infrastructure and and cloud to pe- to people at, at a uh, commodity in a commodity mm-hmm. way, like these other guys do. But yeah, I think Microsoft just seems to be. Pretty focused on, on uh, competing with Google and AWS for, for cloud services. Um, but yeah, then that, that goodwill. Yeah, goodwill went from a third of their assets to a half of their assets in one in that one quarter. That's got. That's just all all the.
2: Um, okay. What
0: are they called? Mealsoft. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's to be expected. I didn't even think they had another big buy in them,
1: but. They went through with it, so
0: yeah, they had to go get loans, yeah, to buy it. So, so what do you think? More acquisitions? You think they're gonna slow down a bit? I don't know. I mean, you know, they they did slow down for a while. Was it? It, it wasn't. It wasn't. Was it the first kind of half of 2018, or I guess it was maybe 2017, where they really slowed down? Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like they almost went a year, whereas like the previous year they was it was like you know. I don't know, dozen. But always like it that. always
1: felt like it came in waves. Like they would, they would do a couple of months of just l- kind of mid and small acquisitions, kind of a, a handful of them, and then they would slow down for a bit.
0: And one thing that, you know, I think help, helps them finance these acquisitions is the fact that their their stock price just, you know, over overall has continued to climb. And I think it's up fifty percent this year. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's a currency. They can go buy companies with that. Of course, we saw with the MuleSoft acquisition that MuleSoft wasn't interested in a lot of Salesforce stock. I think they took some, but I think Salesforce had to go out and like I think it was like eighty percent of it. They had to go raise cash to to pay cash for it. But uh, and I think that's because although Salesforce is you know is uh, you know their their market cap now because of their stock price is I think well over a hundred billion. Um, yeah, there's a lot of concern about that stock price. I mean, I'm not just making this up. Like there's a lot of concern about their the the P/E ratio and if they if this is if the stock price is going to last and you know if if someone offers you you know a million dollars worth of stock and it's it's Microsoft stock for example just picking on Microsoft again and they um, you know Microsoft just got this steady history of of uh, profits and you know it's not it's not it's a it's a reasonable P/E ratio it's not super overvalued or whatever so you'd be like oh yeah I mean that's, that's stock I mean even if they it's not going anywhere. Whereas Salesforce is a, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's on stilts right now. It's the dude walking around on stilts. It's like, this guy got a long way to come down if, if something, if something goes just slightly wrong, you know. (laughs) So do you think the, uh, whoever helped finance this, I'm sure it was
1: multiple, multiple sources. Do you think, do you think they're just kind of rolling the dice on this one? Or do you think they saw the stock and they looked at everything and they said it's, it's fairly stable. It's, it's not a bad bet. Not rolling the dice at all. and
0: And I'm sure I bet Salesforce got a decent interest rate because, um, I mean, Salesforce is generating a lot of cash. Their their cash flow that they're generating is is good. So it it doesn't look like there's any risk of them not being able to you know pay loans like that back. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they got a good interest rate on it. They just got a, you know these big banks or whatever. Yeah. No big. Anyway. Well, I saw something about raises that was interesting. It was uh, where was this? It's just one of those things that we like to talk about. Business Insider. Who oh, I don't like them. <laughs> Anyway, it's um it's basically about how companies are offering promotions but not actual raises. Which is weird because in general, companies, I mean, their profitability is just you know. Through, you don't you normally get a raise with a promotion? We traditionally, yes. But there's this this trend that keeps continuing of you know being basically being paid with titles. Hmm. Anyway, um, you know, the quote is, yeah, we love we love the work you've been doing this year. Your boss tells you once you're sitting down. And we'd love to offer you the new role of dot, 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 whatever. (laughs) So promotions without raises are becoming more common, according to this research staffing firm. So here you go. In 2011, 22% of HR managers said their companies gave titles without raises. Yes, 22%. Now, 39% of companies are saying they do that. Here's, here's an interesting, this is, and I don't understand this. You're going to have to explain this to me because that's totally counterintuitive and it's counter to what we're told. Uh, so it says their employees are becoming more accustomed to this practice. In 2018, 64% of workers said they would accept a higher title without the raise compared with 55% seven years ago. Here's the interesting part. Men uh, are also more likely to accept a position and title, 72% of men. Are likely to accept a position, uh, a, a promotion, and title without pay raise, while women are only fifty-five percent likely to accept a promotion, and title without pay, uh, without a pay raise. Because hmm. we've been told that you know women don't um, they don't negotiate well, right? And they're just willing to accept whatever they're offered. But this the, the actual data, at least this data says kind of the opposite. Men tend to be more likely just to Take a bad deal, or you know something unfair. So I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe women have, in general, just overall have like turned that corner. They've gotten better. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Have you? I mean, have you seen this though? Have you ever been offered a, a pay, ra- a, you know, promotion or give you a, you know, oh, you're making, we're gonna make you lead developer. I've I've had titles that had nothing to do with my
1: job. <laughs> um, give me an example. Well, this should be interesting. I think I was listed as a business analyst for the longest time when I was programming. That's just like the most generic thing ever, though, right? Isn't that? I think so. And there, I mean, there was other times. I don't remember. This is way back when when I was part of a hidden IT department where I had a title, but it was more project management focused than it was development or IT focused or IS focused. Yeah. you didn't want to attract the attention of the actual IT department. Well, it wasn't me, it was my bosses. but yeah, that, right. was, that was the point of it. Yeah, your shadow IT. Yeah, <coughs> it was in the shadows. But the problem with that is, is, is the title, when it comes to big business, they, your pay scale is based on your title. So however much of a pay raise you can get, your cost of living increase percentages, all of that is based on your title. And there's little brackets and so, in order to get, you can hit a limit on your job title, like your job title, yeah. and you can make the max, right. and that's it. Mm-hmm. The only way to get paid more is to move up. And so that's why you have things like programmer analyst one and two and three, and because those are the different pay scales, that yeah. you, you can buckets that you can get tossed into. Right.
0: I so I don't remember which company it was. I sure I remembered. I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about at this company. It was I feel like it was one of these some, you know, tech company, and they uh, they said that. Whatever, whatever, like they say, they have you know certain list. They have you know all their different titles or position types of positions they have, and everyone in a certain position gets paid the exact same amount of money. Hmm. Maybe that's why they're handing out titles. They can,
1: they could say, "Well, you know, you're in a different job title, so you're you're already paid equal." (laughs)
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, and that's, and also, just seems like if they want to pay you less, they just give you the the title that pays less. It, it's it's almost like well it could like,
1: be that you're already making a certain amount and in order to equalize everyone in that job title they need to push you out so they can equalize without having to bump everyone up to to whatever
0: you are i guess i'm thinking like if you go and hire there or if you go and interview there uh-huh and they're like oh well, i think i can get i can get away with paying this guy you know uh, 80 grand okay well you offer, offer him offer business analyst too then it's like it's just it's the tail wagging the dog yeah, basically the title. Uh, you can. It's a title. The names of the titles are just arbitrary. They just indicate a certain pay level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that can be gamed just as easily, maybe more easily, actually, because it's you have this excuse of fairness. Oh, look how fair it is. Oh, we've we've given back two million dollars to equalize salaries. You know, and all that kind of bullshit. Well, it's just all virtue signaling and BS. That's because humans point. are very creative. They are. And I, that's, people yeah, don't I, that's,
1: give, give us enough credit. It. They act like we're all just dumb people out there, but. We're really creative, and I I don't understand companies like when I try to tell them we need to lock this down. We can't do it that way because if they ever find out the URL, they figure out how to do this. Oh no, our users
0: aren't that smart. They're smart. Yeah, they will they will find it. It it
1: goes it it goes back
0: to that. And I think I think I was butchered this phrase, but I think it's tell me how you'll measure me, and I'll tell you how I perform. It's the same thing. Like just tell me what kind of system you're going to use to judge things by, and I will game it, and I will win. I think Oracle
1: had issues with that recently. I think that's why they had to create this campaign about um, how they recognized um, cloud sales. Because they were the salespeople found a way to game the system to where they would take existing on-premise and offer them some kind of like cloud credits, and they could they, those wouldn't renew, or they could renew, or not renew. There was some kind of game they were playing along those lines. I read it, and I had it for the podcast, but we never covered it. But it was something along those lines, and it was just... Just the creativity of those guys, you know? Yeah, you, yeah.
0: Well, they, yeah, I think they're known for that. And they're, they're also, I think they're just most known for their strong arming. So it's like, you're going to buy cloud. <laughs> you're going to buy cloud, or we're going to come in and do one of those audit, license audits. And we're going yeah, to find, think, every, we're going to find everywhere day, you're running Oracle where you don't have a license. Yeah, I think no one, even if they were
1: buying on-premise, did not get some kind of cloud credit on their account. Yeah. Like, it was always there.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we were going to talk about release notes last week, and we didn't get to it. I still haven't looked at them. You haven't looked at them. That's yeah, gosh, John and John. All right, well, we can just, uh, we'll cover these at a high level then. And then we can, uh, we can wrap Anything up. Anything good? You've been looking at them? Well, I've got one for you. I guess with, uh, when Einstein uh, optimizes your forecasting models, it can, when you know, tell you like, I guess how much money you're going to make and who, which leads you should call and all that stuff, it will now take custom fields into account. Mm. Can you believe that? Einstein, the smartest thing in the world, could not do custom fields until now, or actually until in the, shortly here in the future. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. It wasn't using custom fields before? Only standard fields? Like, all the rest of that data, it was not taken into account into its models at all? Well, how do you tell it? I guess you can now tell it which fields to care about. You shouldn't have to, right? Is that not how it works? That's not how, that's not how like, machine
2: learning works. Convolutional networks. I don't know. I've seen people with some fields that have nothing to do with how do they drive context from those fields? Well,
0: if the fields have nothing to do with what makes a you know like a better lead or whatever, then the model the the model will learn that when it's trained on the, your data. I guess this also. I mean, could, I guess that's why that's why I wasn't surprised by it not doing custom
1: fields because I feel like that they, they told it what fields to care about. They weighted those. They the
0: algorithm is is optimized for those through training. Well, you shouldn't have to tell it that. That's like that's like when you train a a computer vision. On photos yeah but i mean you when, to, you, when you, you train it, it, it you don't have to tell it, hey this is the sign don't look at anything outside of that because i'm telling you the sign is right here don't don't pay attention to the car or the street or the or the color of the carpet you know you don't do that you just give it everything and say figure this out that's the kind of the beauty of it if i have to tell it if i have to basically have to turn it into like a multi-factor regression test and tell it okay look at these five or six things or these these certain number of fields then that's just statistics i mean that's, that's what I thought it was. Uh,
1: maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not giving Einstein enough credit. I thought it was just a bunch of statistical
0: algorithms. Well, but. And the other, the other thing that I don't see how they. Of course, I don't know anything about machine learning and artificial intelligence, um, other than it's probably a scam. <laughs> but I uh, don't, th- I don't know, I don't know any, anything about it, so it's a scam. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the rule. That's the rule. <laughs> uh, is that, you know, we, they say that you have to have a really like a ton of data to in order to train most of these algorithms correctly. Mm-hmm. And if you're just using standard fields, well, Salesforce, even though they're not supposed to be able to access your data, that's a bunch of BS. <laughs> of course. It's unencrypted and they're like it's just on their disks. <laughs> um, they can run their, they can train their model across everyone's data because everyone uses standard fields and the standard fields are the same in every org. Custom fields, so, so let me back up before we go into custom fields. So they can train this data on you know, billions of records. There's probably like hundreds of millions or billions of accounts for example and contacts and all that stuff Mm. so they can train they've got a lot of data to train these models on well in custom fields they really don't because I mean I might have a custom field called shoe but what does that mean and you might also have a custom field called shoe but they could have completely different semantics I mean we could use those for totally different things Mm -hmm. you know and so there's not and I don't see how much I don't see how I could really add very much value I mean I could see how data type would help, but there are certain
1: native fields that we can't create. Like, we can't create a new address data type. We, we, we can create a new phone data type and a new email data type, so maybe that factors in, but we what can't do a th- new data type?
0: You can create new data types? You, well, you, can
1: co- create a, you can create a field with a data type that matches one of the native data types. So You can, you can create a field called phone, it'll match the phone. <laughs> but you can't create an address. You have to create individual fields, and there's nothing that groups it together and say, this is an address.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, well, that's Einstein for you. Uh, there's a bunch of identity stuff. And hmm. I, think that, I think that's probably always the case. I don't read release notes very often, but I'm, I imagine there's always just tons of identities, just all this enterprise yeah. stuff. Um, some of it looked pretty useful. I don't remember the details I don't have in front of me. but
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm in kind of in the financial services world, and that's always something that comes up is yeah. how we're going to authenticate everyone, and what's everyone. What's everyone doing for that? Everyone's pretty much hooking it up into their SSO, um, but now we're getting more requests to support two-factor. And they, I, I wasn't sure if it would work, but it, it does work. You can do SSO, and it'll still support the two-factor authentication. So I can SSO into my org, and it'll still ping me and say, what's the code, and you yep. put in the code, or you click approve, whichever your app does.
0: And are people using, for the SSO, what are they using, SAML?
1: Usually, yeah. It's usually uh, Most everyone's on Active Directory, so they're, they're hooking it into their Active Directory usually.
0: So I've I've done a couple of Active Directory, you know, identity things, and it was still Saml though. So I guess Active Directory. well, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's I don't know if it's correct. To say Active or Active Directory supports Saml or the Microsoft stack, which includes Active Directory also supports Saml.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I've also I don't think I've ever done any of these directly, but I've helped people wade through and kind of arc you know design these things. Um, but. Integrating with directly with Active Directory. Um, what is it when? Uh, what's it called? I guess it's identity. That's not Identity Federation, but when you can basically provision sell, like all your Salesforce users directly from Active Directory. You can. I just. Oh, you know what? No, I know what it is. There's that they, Salesforce has a. And I'm remembering now. Um, they have some. there's this little tool, It's like a little Java application that you can. Yeah, I don't think that's used anymore. What is that thing called? But it's the Connect something. Oh, something Connect. I think it's something Identity like that. Connect, Identity yeah. Connect, I think. I don't think wow. it's used anymore. Really? Because they yeah. still keep updating the... the, the it might like, still be, it, be it might be
1: like a legacy thing, but Could uh, be. I don't know.
0: But it would just sit there and listen to
1: Active Directory. Maybe Directors. it's for on-prem, because uh, a lot of the ones I've been dealing with lately, um, well, I say a lot, like I've done two recently, <laughs> um, they were to the Azure cloud, so their Active Directory was on Azure, and we were connecting to Azure for that. So the connect wasn't relevant, because there's no on-premise need for it.
0: Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think it mattered, at least from, I don't remember, I didn't need to connect, I don't think it cares where your Active Directory is, but it has to be able to connect to it. So you you usually, it has to be able to access Active Directory, but what it does is it listens to Active Directory and let's say you deactivate a user. Oh. This thing then, because it, it's like an integration, right? It just sits there and then it'll go into Salesforce
1: and it'll deactivate the user. I'm, I'm saying that wrong. I did look into that I just haven't used it because I haven't recommended the need to sync the information that way. Yeah. Um, it was just too problematic, especially for provisioning, because it wasn't. I th- it lets you provision a profile, but we were also layering security with permission sets, so we wouldn't have to create a ton of profiles, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't aware of permission sets. Mm-hmm. So we would either have to like write some additional things to go and provision out users to permission sets or something, and it was just, you have an admin, let them do it. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of ROI here to do that. So,
0: I got something weird. Real time, real time update here. I just got a text from like a boss from 20 years ago, like before, before I I even knew you. (laughs) What? Just now? Yeah. Uh, How weird (laughs) is that? (laughs) It's really weird. (laughs) Anyway, okay. Now that was boring enterprise stuff. What else do they have? Job offer? No, I doubt. Who knows? Probably, probably needs a job. Um, use Inherit, oh yeah, the in- okay, we need to talk about this. It used Inherited Sharing to secure Apex code. Have you heard about this? Inherited so you, Sharing? Yeah, so let me tell you what that is. So l- context is we have, for Apex, we have With Sharing, mm-hmm. we have Without Sharing. Mm-hmm. Now we have something called Inherited Sharing. I thought it always, by default, used Inherited. It does. I, thi- I, feel, I think, actually, this is just a misnomer. I feel like they did not come up with the right name for this. It's a bad name. So here's what the release notes say. You can now specify the inherited sharing keyword on an Apex class, which allows the class to run in the sharing mode of the class that called it. Well, that's the way, that's the way if you don't specify it works. So what, what they're saying is the behavior if you don't specify sharing. Let exa- I me mean, read it again. Allows the class to run in the sharing mode of the class that called it. Well, That's the way it works right now if you don't specify sharing. That's exactly the way it runs. I wonder if that's to help
1: their auditing tools and their security tools, because like if you ever go through a security review, and if you don't have something that has with-sharing keywords, they, they ding you on it, and you have to go through this whole thing
0: explaining why you're not doing it that way,
1: why you don't have a with-sharing or without sharing. That's a,
0: that's a dumb security audit, because there's very valid reasons to not specify on a class
1: what the sharing rules are. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, I I wonder if it's a way for them to help, uh, let the system help identify that, that
0: this a, is intended for inheritance. I security scanner. I mean, it finds some stuff, obvious stuff or whatever, but it... It, they are so brain dead in how they beat you with that tool. Is that like, true? It's like, okay, let me sit down and explain to this outsourced, offshore, poorly trained whoever these people are how this is designed, and I'm going to have to teach them like how you design in a in a way that things can be reused and and loosely coupled and everything, and why you don't why you might not want to specify the sharing model on every class. Right. Because the classes can be used in different contexts. What really matters is, is all your in all your entry points to specify what your sharing is. Right. Anyway, kind of triggered me there, John. It did. Um, if you had a private so space, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have so many issues, would you? Well, let me explain to you what I think this thing is. And it does, it does say this kind of in passing in the release notes, which is weird, because they obscure it with all this stuff that really is not saying anything. But what I think it is. So, if you think about it, um, on I, I think it's really I, speaking of entry points Like so things like trigger that's an entry point to like an Apex transaction what else um, f- visual force controllers mm-hmm. maybe lightning controllers which I don't I don't know anything about um, and what else would maybe like a, your batch Apex class is an entry point to control, into a transaction and maybe like a if you have well, rest, web service uh, Apex, rest yeah service yeah, yeah web service and Apex rest so all those entry points
2: does by default run in system mode, right? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. So I, th- I think this changes the default.
1: I'm really, I'm really vague on that because in certain situations, I think it runs on, like, say if you create a scheduled job and you run it as a job, it supposedly runs in the context of the person that scheduled it. Um, there are... Po- at, there are points in it where you could say without sharing it does run in a system context but I'm not exactly sure how it
0: all plays out depending it just could vary on the scenario okay <clears throat> Apex sharing or sorry Apex without a sharing de- declaration is insecure by default mm-hmm. that's right it runs in system mode or whatever with, without sharing by default yeah but not always like, like well when is it not
1: uh, so site and guest user is kind of weird like, if you come in with a guest user in a site, that, cl- that direct controller class doesn't have any permissions, even if you d- don't say without sharing. Even if you say without sharing, it's still bound by that. You have to shortcut it, jump over to another class, run your code in a without context, even though your controller class says without sharing. It's Like this I said, it's has, really
0: weird. And I don't think... I have not seen this documented anywhere. I've just learned this the hard way. But I think I've bumped into that on on, secu- on uh, communities. yeah. So if you have like, let's say, the non-community, like a customer community, not the plus license, just the regular one, um, you would think that in system mode, you could do things like create that, that those community users can't do. Like mm-hmm. um, create account share records. Well, you can't because right. their license type, the license type, does doesn't not the profile or any of that stuff, it's the license type. You can't do anything to the license type of the user that started that transaction.
1: That can't makes do sense. It. Yeah.
0: It it well
1: Well it makes sense as to why I'm seeing such inconsistency because it yeah. very well could be that license time. Right.
0: And so that's a real thing <coughs> because you basically can't do it's like you know, like say uh you want you want to create an account share when a community user does a certain thing. No? Sorry. I mean you can do it in indirect ways. Like, yeah, I mean you could yeah. And short circuit uh, it and jump over to the transaction. Rig something up, yeah. you know, some cheesy you know like message queuing thing or task queue or something
2: like and then have
0: some batch job that comes back later and does does the actual just call a web service that's true yeah. <laughs> that's true. I know um, okay, let me read this so apex without a sharing declaration is insecure by default okay, true designing apex classes that can run in either with sharing or with sharing mode at runtime is an advanced technique and can be done. <laughs> (laughs) It can be difficult to distinguish from one where a specific sharing declaration is accidentally omitted. Saying inherited sharing makes the intent clear, avoiding ambiguity arising from an omitted declaration or false positives from security analysis tooling. So what they're saying right there is that all it does, it actually does nothing other than just says, hey, I meant to leave out with or without sharing. I meant to leave it out. Yeah. Okay. Continuing there is a distinct difference between an apex class that is marked with or sorry marked with inherited sharing and one that is just omitted sharing if the class is used as an entry point to an apex transaction an omitted sharing declaration runs as without sharing we've already established that you run in system mode by default however inherited sharing ensures that the default is to run as with sharing so so, but it's not a default you're you're saying you're which is which? If you're on a trend, if you're the entry point, it's the same thing as saying with sharing.
1: Well, that was my. Word. If you omit it, then it's with sharing. If you put it in there, it's with sharing.
2: No, if you okay, if you're on a transaction entry point and you omit it, it's without sharing. It's system mode. I guess it depends on definition of transaction issue point. Okay, let me finish
0: this paragraph. A class declared as inherited sharing runs only as without sharing when explicitly called from an already established without sharing context.
2: I mean, this is... Wow, this is confusing. Yeah. Again, I, I think it's a transition thing. I think, I think they're
1: eventually going to lock down anything that, has without sh- with, that does not specify without sharing or with sharing, and eventually they'll, they're going to force you to say which, which context you're in.
0: Another thing that that really, even for I mean I feel like fairly fairly experienced developers this this there's still a lot of confusion around is just because you say you know with sharing doesn't mean that people are only going to see what they're supposed to be able to see, like all the field level security stuff that just has no effect on basically right no, it does, no, it doesn't you no, that's one of the things that they'll they'll ding you for in a security review. you have to manually. Figure out what fields a user should have access to, and make sure that you don't expose those in a way. Now, Visual Force—if Visual Force okay. is your end layer, or whatever yeah. it does—right. But Apex does not. So, for example, you it, could you could encode you could you could build up a, a a paragraph or some or like a list of account or list like a list of uh, accounts with a, with a custom field that the user doesn't have access to, and you could build a big string of those in Apex. And then output that in Visual Force, the the including that field that they didn't have access to, because because in an Apex there's nothing that stops you from accessing every field, regardless of what fields the user has access to. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Like I said, this is all just I don't. I just don't. They didn't hit the right model with any of this. This is confusing. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember if that's true. I'm- Sure. I, I have no reason to argue. Oh, no, no. This is this is the bane of like ISVs and stuff is is getting all this right. Because that's even, even makes it more difficult because they're not your users, you know. And the the administrator needs to be able to set what people have access to. And so you've got to just on every, like every query you do, everything, you've got to be doing all the FL. Although there is good news, I think. And I don't know if it's in these release notes, but I saw something the other day that... Salesforce is actually going to start giving us better tooling to to implement, to properly implement field-level security. So, I didn't see that in here. Better tooling in the UI? No, I think in code. I I don't know if it's like a certain... The UI needs some help.
1: That is is a horrible UI to have to maintain metadata. Which one? In in Salesforce. The way profiles, the way... uh, I still use the... Permission
0: sets. I still use the old profile editor because everything's on like the screen. (laughs) Actually, I like, I like the new one. Well, it depends on what I'm doing. The, the new one has that search feature, which yes, is kind of nice. that's what I like about the new one. But the old one, I mean, everything's on the screen, unlike yeah. lightning stuff. And I can just do a can Command-F and like find yeah. what I'm looking for. So it's, it depends on what I'm doing. but Yeah, um, yeah I don't
1: know. I, mean, I don't was, have an answer for it, because it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff to maintain there, but I, that needs to be
0: done better. Yeah, I still, uh, the whole inherited sharing, it's very strange. All right. Um, the other thing that was interesting, and and <laughs> this was this was a kind of a poorly kept secret because I think it was Chris Peterson or someone was tweeting about this the other day before release notes where it came out. It's this callable interface. Yeah, I want to know more about that. All right. Well, it's basically exactly what C- Chris asked people like, if hey, would you be interested in like this generic callable interface where you could like, call into like you know just a and it's basically like the latest of late binding ever. Um, and anyway, that's exactly when the research came out. This is exactly what he described in his tweet. So. <laughs> but also, it's just I, this idea that, so the, the system's going to come with an interface called callable. And you can implement that. Other packages can implement that. And it's just, it just has one method, I think, called call. And the first, the first parameter takes is a string called action, which mm-hmm. is like the name of the thing you actually want it to do. So instead of having... So if you, let's say you have a package that exposes, you know, half a dozen methods. Right. Well, instead of having to like. Write a big ugly if statement. or Have have that known in advance or whatever, or it might be a better scenario, maybe the other way around, actually, like you install a package and it, you need it to call some of your code. Just some unpackaged internal code. And of course the package ahead of time doesn't know anything about your code, Mm -hmm. but you could configure it after you installed it and i could see a scenario where like you you tell that you can it's designed to call a callable interface and you can with configuration tell it the names of the methods that you need to call because that's the first parameter passes as the str- is the action name and then the second parameter that calls is just a map of string to object. so it's the, the like the parameters basically so it's, i think it's yeah i think it's a way for like basically like packaged code to without knowing ahead of time what interfaces you're going to expose for it to be able to you'll be, you to be able to install the package in your org and then configure it with what actions it can take on your code and what methods what parameters to pass to it everything so this is more of a packaging tool uh, I don't, it's not
1: a packaging I, I, tool it's, when i heard of it i thought it was more of kind of a dependency injection type tool
0: i don't think it's a dependency injection really i'm oh, sorry maybe that's the wrong word module to module i don't know well, I think about it this way. Let's say you have a method that's important that be called by some package you're using. The okay. package doesn't know anything about your method.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How's it going to call your method? It can't because Apex is a statically compiled language. It's got to like know everything in advance. It would have to somehow, I mean, it, um, packages can't couple to any non-packaged, n- non, yeah, non-packaged stuff in your org. It can't see it's the custom objects it can't see the classes, even if you make, make them global, you know, can't see any of that stuff. Oh, I see. <clears throat> um, so this is, this is a, again, <laughs> but, it, but it knows about the callable interface and it can bind statically against the callable interface. And it can call that, it can say call and they're to pass in a string which could be configured at runtime, it, 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 like installation time. That string that it call that it passes for the name of the action can be configured at runtime. And I could see a thing where a, a, a package lets you provide like a whole list of different Actions it can take on your code. And then I think you just provide like an implementation of that callable interface that responds to these various action names. I could be getting this completely wrong, but that's kind of my. And there's, there could be other, I mean, there's probably other use cases too I'm not thinking of, but it's basically just a way for like super late binding. So this is a pilot? It's in preview. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which means that it might go away. I saw something big that went away. Oh, yeah. The, expanded source tracking it was it was in beta which i guess is i guess beta or preview than beta beta is like the last step right that's what was last. expanded source tracking well okay so this is this is what the, re- the current release note said okay we discontinued the expanded source tracking beta the dev hub setup page no longer includes the option to turn on expanded source tracking <clears throat> so I'm like okay well what the hell was expanded source tracking well here's what it was it expands your reach, and I think this is in. I think this is like in code or API or, or like metadata API type stuff, like deployment uh-huh. type stuff. Maybe it expands your reach to the entire set of metadata API entities when pushing and pulling source or getting the status for your project source changes. Right now, Salesforce DX source tracking supports some metadata API entities, but not all, as documented in the supported metadata API ty- API types. <clears throat> The expanded source tracking beta includes all those metadata API types that were missing, that would be missing without it. And so it's things like the app menu, a certificates portal, package, search settings. I mean, like a lot of, there's a lot of things that just aren't available in the, I guess in the, I mean, there's, right, there's all, there's that, actually Salesforce does a pretty good job of that, maintaining that list of like, hey, hey, here's the things that you just can't do with the metadata API. You're going to have to like, get in there and just manually <laughs> mm-hmm. or write like a, write like a, uh, what are the, what's like the record and play script uh, thing called? You can use for like end-to-end testing. It clicks buttons in the browser like can do stuff. No, I, oh, I forget the name of it. Anyway, that's what the beer does to you. By the way, uh, this is pretty tasty, huh? It, these are like four or five months old, so I think they're not super fresh, but Brunner with passion fruit, pineapple, and orange. It's another one of those mm, fruit from, uh, <laughs> who's this other half? Anyway. Yeah, so that's gone. They just, that was too hard, I think. Yeah, it's too hard. (laughs) That or they're working on something else. That's easier. (laughs) (laughs) So that thing's gone. So hopefully you weren't uh, depending on that. Uh, See, deploy using REST. Deployments using REST, which is, okay. So I guess all deployments so far have been SOAP, pretty much. Is that right? I guess. Yeah. I mean, the metadata API was also So supposedly you can deploy, and I'm just reading from my notes here, you can deploy using REST. And so it says that uh, the deployments using REST are not bound by the 39 meg zip file size limit that applies to SOAP deployments. So what are they bound by? Nothing? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, what, like, what limits are there? Okay, so, yeah, so here's the catch the limit for the number of components that are uncompressed into an unzipped folder after the upload is the same for both SOAP and REST deployments. Oh, okay. So at least they relaxed one of those. I mean, the SOAP one was probably because, I mean, SOAP is such a mess. Like, you have to you have to basically, like, deserialize and have a, a whole SOAP message in memory at once, mm-hmm. basically. And with REST, you don't. I mean, if you're just going to post a zip file um, as REST, I mean, you can just, like, write it to temp disk, and then unzip it, and it's only one, I mean, it's just streaming, it's just streaming the file contents to disk, so you don't have to have, like, the whole, just itty-bitty bits of it in memory at a time. All right. Or SOAP, yeah, SOAP all the way, God, I've run into so many memory problems with big SOAP messages. But yeah, the limit for the actual number of components is the same. I don't know what that number is, it didn't it even, it didn't even say. But I don't think I've ever hit that limit. I've hit the, the SOAP message size limit. But I don't think I've hit the number of component limit. I could be wrong, on but deploying? I don't recall. Yeah, on deployments. You had to have when you were downloading. Well, I feel like with downloading, there isn't that limit. You can, I don't think I've ever not been able to download the entire org. It's uploading where they limit you.
1: There's certain things, there are certain them. things like in the tooling, you can't grab all of them. You have to batch them. Like I think like reports and things like that, where you have to batch download them. Like you can't grab all the reports. The or report something.
0: definitions? Or? Yeah. Huh. I've never had a problem with that.
1: Yeah, because I wrote a tool
0: one time that tried to do dependency oh, checking on reports. Is it, and I is it because they're folder based? Like so folder-based items are maybe. weird. Um in fact a lot of these metadata API, API tools have problems with those. One that doesn't is Illuminated Cloud. I like Man, Illuminated Cloud's great for it, it it navigates all those folder based things and you can just pull everything down at once. Yeah. I do think it has to, it might have to do like a pre I'm not trying to wonder about this like a, some pre-operations to actually get the list of the yeah. folder names or something. Yeah, there's a couple of calls but involved. But it, it, it does all that and it seems to never have a problem, so it's very nice. It's a good tool if you just want to like back up your entire org, like all your metadata. Illuminated Cloud is, is good at that. Whereas, like if you're using, um, and I'm sure a lot of the other commercial tools do, do too as well. Um, but the, what's it, what do they call it? The Ant, uh, the deployment tool? What do they call that thing? The Ant the deployment tool? migration tool Migration toolkit, thank you. Um, that thing, you, yeah, you can build a package XML that.
1: Uh, you have to break it? up your packages. Uh,
0: no. Yeah. I'm trying to think though, but there's a way. Like you, there's some like, limitation. I'm trying. To, it's it's all with the folder things. Like you have to do separate <laughs> calls. That's what it is. Well, yeah, because on yeah, the yeah, package, yeah. only certain nodes yeah. can accept the asterisk, no, which lets you, let you exactly. download them all. Yeah, you can't say just get asterisk reports. Right. You have to actually list every folder. Right. In your package XML, so right. that's like. Okay, that's a bunch of different operations to build up a package XML here. Right. Yeah, I mean, there should be a, I know Salesforce still an anti be this dead like knowledge I always feel like, like there I should hope. be there should in SOQL there should be the select asterisk and then in, and in, you know anything kind of thing like just give me all my source code. Like there shouldn't be like, you know, git clone. Get you all your source code. Why is there, like, why is Salesforce make this shit so hard? Like there should be a git clone for Salesforce. It just gets you all of your metadata. That's still the problem with DX. Like you, as far as I can tell, because I keep asking people this, there's not this, DX doesn't solve that either. Like you still have to like go build your package XML yourself. Like well that's that's the, one of the biggest problems I want solved.
1: Yeah, but at least well yeah I guess can always write a bunch of scripts to build it. You which can. I guess is no, you can. That's doing. what people are doing. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I guess it's it's one of those things where do you want to have the control over building it? And yes, it's a little tedious, but now you have full control over building it. Or do you want the easy button from Salesforce? But you got to click. You have to like dance three times and then click the button three times before it'll go through. I just meant that as a way to say you got to follow their process.
0: Yeah,
1: you got to do it the way they you want. They want you to do it.
0: Well, it's I don't think it's not the way they want you to. It's just that that's just as, that's as much. Engineering work as they could fit in, and the time and that they were given to do things.
1: I don't know. I, I sometimes want. I mean, it's it's um, think about think about some of the tools where there's a, there's a GUI, but the GUI can only do so much. It's not as expressive as say a script or code or yeah. some kind of command right. line statement you could write. Yep. And so there's limitations when you provide an interface to something because you you have to. It becomes a contract,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that contract isn't as flexible as say just a bunch of static how, commands
0: how, how complex of a contract is git clone I don't know you know what I'm saying it's like yeah expose interfaces that are easy to use all right uh, there are a lot of new health objects just in the, like I feel like the global namespace of objects or whatever mm. tons of health stuff which is weird because I thought those were in just managed packages
1: they are but they put them in the documentation so is financial service cloud it's in there,
0: too. Okay, it looked like they are in the... Like, if you do a describe or whatever, mm-hmm. describe... What's it called? Describe all? Mm-hmm. Um, they show up now in that mm-hmm. as just standard objects. I could be wrong, but that's what it I, like. I think, That's like. That's why I wrote this down, because I was like, oh, weird, they're adding that to just, like, standard Salesforce.
1: Yeah, I was, I was kind of... Um, I, I don't like that these, these um, clouds are managed packages, but in, in a small way, I'm kind of glad, because now they have... Products that are using this technology and they feel the pain and hopefully they're starting to like go. Oh, this is a big issue. Right. We can't do this. Why can't I do this?
0: Yeah, and these things that we talk that we that I complain about. I mean, they're it's nothing. It's nothing that these guys don't know. It's just this. Salesforce is adding you know new clouds all the time and they're always buying new things and they're still spending like most of their money on throwing parties and whining and dining and dialing for dollars and stuff and paying expensive. You know, I mean, Salesforce has. Salesforce does what $12 billion in revenue at this point and has um, 35,000 employees. Um, Facebook does what 100, no, what do they do? 100 billion a year, something like that. Ten times, 10 times bigger than Salesforce. And they have less fewer employees. Like they have like 20,000 employees, 25,000 employees. Is that main, mainly due to sales and marketing staff? Well, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I, I would guess that, sell, that Facebook, relatively speaking, has a small sales and marketing staff. Right. That's what I mean, that yeah. Salesforce
1: would have more sales and marketing than. Yeah,
0: it. yeah. I think it's, that's what that's, that's, uh, I guess I'm making my point in a very roundabout way. Salesforce has a Plus lot does, Salesforce is still spending like most of their money on sales and marketing. They just don't have the resources to do these
2: things the way they probably would want to. Yeah. I mean, there's just only so much time, and when you only have so many
0: people, you know, and it just is what it is. Huh? Uh, the change data capture thing is coming, I guess. Is that, uh, is that, I'm trying to think. That's in preview. So this is the, do you remember talking about this? It's kind of like a platform event. In fact, it's, I think it uses the same mechanisms. It has like the replay IDs and they get queued and it's like a messaging thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, y- let's say you just want like, hey, anytime an account changes, just send me a platform event, Right you don't actually have to write the code that does the platform that, that is listening on accounts and then generating a platform of like instantiating your plat, your custom platform event and populating with all that. Like you can just go in and to this change data capture config and just like check, check on account. I want to, I want notifications on accounts, mm-hmm. check contact. You can probably check like whether you want create or insert or update or, you know, whatever. Right. <clears throat> Delete. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just easy. And you basically just it's, get... It's probably like a, instead of you having to create a custom standard uh, platform event type, they're just like standard event types. But they're just notifications that your data has changed. So is there less overhead with them? or it's, they're, easy, they're super easy to set up. There's no coding required to set them mm-hmm. up. I'm not sure if it's less overhead. Like I said, I think it uses the same mechanism. So it's probably the same
2: amount of underlying setup. Anyway, that'll be nice. I'm going to be able to use that for like integrations and stuff.
0: It's you can, it, I guess it makes, cause like think of you like in the old school days or the current days in some cases um, where you're calling their, what they call it, the replication API, like get updated mm. or whatever. Yeah, um, You have to have the logic on whatever whatever thing's calling that, you have to have the logic built into that, that like, okay, I have to to remember when the last time I asked whether something got updated because you have to tell Salesforce, hey, get updated since, right? And you have to pass this date time in. So now you have to keep track of that date time. Right. Like, so hopefully you won't uh, like, I don't know, have a bug in that logic or lose that date time or you, um, you know, you call Salesforce and you get the result of the, of the get updated but then your program crashes when it's processing it. And then when you go to call Salesforce again, it's it doesn't like maybe it didn't know to like go back and ask for ones that it already got before. Whereas with platform events, you know, it's got these replay IDs and so like in, until you basically say, Hey, I've successfully processed message one, two, seven, two, five, four, Salesforce is gonna keep trying to send you that message. No, I mean you can still there's still you can still do dumb things or still so you, you can still have, you know, obviously logic problems on your side, but it's you're pushing more of that. That's more built in. Because it's kind of like um it's like a message broker in a way. I mean, it has mm-hmm. some of that same some of those same principles. I mean they're probably I wouldn't be surprised if they're running like, I don't know, one of these MQ, something MQ in the back yeah. end to store these. But you could still run into the same problems, because it, really it's it's
1: a notification. If you're acknowledging receipt of the notification, you're technically a good architecture. you're not supposed to process within that notification unless you're just your code is really super fast. But. I say that again. When dealing with transactions and notifications, you're yeah. technically supposed to receive and send back acknowledgement of receipt. Right. Not process. You're supposed to then pop it into your queue so that you can process it. Cuz you could have messages and processing going out at the same time and you need to go into the, the stack queue,
0: queue. Yeah. Or or you just you don't you don't send the message back that you've successfully processed that message until you actually have successfully processed that message so that you can retry and you, when you next time you say hey just get me all my messages like that message is still in the front of that the top of that stack doesn't that
1: cause isn't that inefficient though to hold hold that well I guess
0: not no because mm. they're just yeah hard drives are cheap well unless they're unless you're paying for Salesforce storage but <laughs> I don't think they charge you data storage for those And then uh, the last thing I wrote down was the unlocked packages are now available. Let's see. Unlocked packages. What's this release called? Winter? I can't even think about winter. It's 100 degrees outside right now here. Yeah, no, it's hot. Winter 2019? I don't know. Uh, And I don't even know. So unlocked packages are kind of like unmanaged packages, but, you know, I don't know. I know they're changing on this. I I actually need to learn. um, Oh, wait. Locked packages pilot is suspended. What in the world? Unlocked packages? Yeah, pilot is suspended. I don't know what that means. So the, they, they had a concept of unlocked and locked? Yeah, yeah.
1: Which, I always thought unlocked was just going to be a, a, a name change of
0: unmanaged packages. No, so manage and unmanage, and there's more dimensions down than just manage and unmanage. Okay. So it's like, yeah, there's, and they have different properties and kind of benefits and advantages and disadvantages. Hmm. That was summer 18. So that was, I guess the current one where they suspended that pilot for some reason. After careful consideration, we have decided to suspend the pilot and stop supporting him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't follow that stuff good enough, <clears throat> but I need to though. Cause I want to be able to at some point start taking advantage of some of these, pa- some of these new packaging
2: types. I got to learn lightning too. I think I'm going to do that soon. You're laughing because I've been saying that for like a year. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh Yeah, it's just getting to the point where I I
1: don't know. Like, I think you'll have a hard time because you'll want to put view or something in it and you'll run into all these other issues and I'm still, I haven't even ventured in the territory of, of adding a framework into the mix. I'm oh, no, just, I wouldn't
0: want to do that. No, I can tell you I wouldn't want to do that. that you know, I, think you'll be messing
1: with, I think you'll be messing with Lightning and go like, oh, I could do this with you. You're like, I know, I'll just do a, a container and I'll stick my view
0: and I'll do well, this. I and, don't know. I mean, I don't think I you know, a view or react app is the solution to every problem. I mean, there's I think there's plenty of things where you seen like a, a lightning component, or whatever, you know. So and that I've got clients that are starting to use lightning.
1: It hasn't been. It, you know, I think lightning and lightning components are great when you're creating very custom interfaces, meaning you're not trying to replicate Salesforce lightning functionality. It's when you're trying to re- replicate lightning functionality that it gets really hard, painful, and you start pulling your hair out. I'm sure there's other examples of people trying to do custom stuff with frameworks and all that kind of stuff. They probably have their own headaches, but a lot of my headaches are, you know, there are things I could do with Visual Force. Like I could mix context. I could I could have a in in a Visual Force view state. I could have a an account object and a co- contact object, and I could mix their fields into the same UI. And I could intermingle. I could have like the account name and a contact first name all in the same row. Well, I can't do that because the only tool Salesforce gives me is this record view. And that's it's basically a form, and that form is finite, and I can't inject another form within that. There's no nested forms, and I can't just mix these fields wherever I want. So I have to create like a very distinct, distinct count section, a very distinct contact section. And if it's dynamic, I have no chance of getting those values without submitting that form, mm. and, and intercepting it. <clears throat>
2: yeah.
1: Unlike Visual Force, where I could just create a dummy contact in memory, throw the fields on the screen, getting all the value of searchable. Uh, look up fields of data type support, all that kind of stuff, field level security, and just consume the data and just say, okay, what did the user put in? Because I'm going to do something else with it. I just, wanted to, I just wanted it to look like some of the fields on the contact, right. but I want to do something else with it. Mm-hmm. I can't do that with Lightning.
0: Hmm. Really? Yeah. It's just I, I keep hearing these things about Lightning, and it's, just, it's hard to believe. I don't but again, it's, it's only when you're trying to
1: rep, and even, even when I'm trying to be a good boy and replicate and do it the way they say <laughs> to do it, there's enough differences in the UI, which piss me off because I'm so pixel perfect sometimes, mm. that I, I, I get annoyed that it doesn't look right. It doesn't work right. Or you thought in this world of being able to inject components and inject your code into the UI, you, it would all look native. It would all flow and look and act like Salesforce does. But no, you create a custom override on an on a object. Do you get the new pop up? that everyone says? No, it sends you to another page. And now your user's on another screen trying to create a new record. But what, what problem does that have? Well, how do I get them back to where they were?
2: Yeah.
1: It doesn't send context. It doesn't send me any information that says where they came from. Oh, and if you want to override it, in Classic, you still got the native record type selector. You can It'll tell you that, and you can, you can select it, and you can do your override, and you can grab whatever record type was selected in. You can't do that. Now you have to build your own record type selector. There's just a, lot of, just a lot of little things when you're trying to replicate native functionality. You think that you would kind of be first-class citizen with Salesforce stuff. You think that it would look and work the same way because you're basically saying, here's the interface you told me to implement. I implemented that interface. Now put this here so it looks like something you did. No, nope. sorry. You can't do this with Salesforce. <sighs> it's, it's things like
0: that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you never know when something's going to buy Don't bite discharge you. me. I still need to learn Lightning. And, yeah, you got to help me do it. Oh. <laughs> all right john well that is uh that's the release notes that, you know that, at least that's what caught my eye there's a ton of other stuff but yeah i'm gonna have to
1: look through them i gotta i gotta look through that and i gotta look through the um financial services cloud release notes too that's gonna be a fun one
0: yeah luckily i have no reason to look through that
1: i'm glad i'm not doing health cloud
0: that's that's. I've wet that my that I,
1: whistle yeah. with Health Cloud, and it's it's a beast. And I I'm not so sure that's a world I want to be in right now. I mean, that's a beast. That's Health a beast is. of a data model. Yeah.
0: And you know, and I've seen Salesforce do these packages, whether it's non nonprofit, to all these things, and like, it's not like they get the data model right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or there's some universal data model. I mean, I, I guess, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I
1: think they modeled a lot of their data structure after um, Epic for, for the yep, health sure. cloud. Yep. And so a lot of it is kind of based on that. But still, it's a huge yeah, data you're basically,
0: model. You're basically modeling your data after the thing you know you're going to have to integrate with. Yeah, basically. So make the integration easy. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it, with that, it has a very strong opinion in, in how things are laid out and where record go, records go. And of course, with health, there's a lot of relationships to manage. Imagine that. Yeah, in a CRM, right. managing
0: relationships—it's uh, not easy. Even managing relationships in sales cloud is not easy. Yeah, and then they just—they just added the, that uh, what are they called? The contact relationships. Is that new? Yeah, 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 um, that's new. <laughs> you know, when they get that 2018, 2017, when Something like yeah, that. yeah, Like it took only took them twenty years to be able to have a relationship between contacts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they had to invent a new one for Health Cloud. They had to invent a account account relationship. Yeah, and so it was I, custom. So you had the native contact contact relationship, and then now, and then you had this
0: custom account account relationship. I think it was called yeah, yeah it's for like the Health, Health Cloud. But well, that's what like if you made the, a database table, like you might call it account account, right? Because yeah. that's if but going by just like kind of how you name like many to many database tables. Right. Um, and it's weird because I know I think it's HEDA. Maybe it's one of these other things. They also have an account to account type of many-to-many connector thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that's called like affiliations. So Mm -hmm. it depends on... uh, That's the thing. It it depends on what kind of domain you're in. Like, people call those different things.
1: Yeah, but at least you would have... I would think you would have a native just account to account relationship, rename it to affiliations. But because these were packages that they were building to support an industry, they had to create custom stuff for that.
0: So there's always been account role, right? And But that is... That's you can you can link an opportunity to an arbitrary account, right? Like you can say we have this we're co-selling with this partner, and on the opportunity you can bring them in as a mm. as an account role. Maybe. But there but, but there were no I don't think there was account to account. Right. Such an elaborate concept. <laughs> <laughs> account one ID, account two ID, relationship type. Yeah. <laughs> That's you I, know. I I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: so I think health cloud has the same problems financial cloud does in that Salesforce traditionally is a B2C model. So the account is like the head of the the church. But for, for like these other businesses, like financial services, I don't know. <laughs> it's
0: I was, the Vatican. I'm still sick.
1: <laughs> Man, I went down a deep rabbit hole on YouTube. Oh, so no. Don't watch YouTube when you're sick. You get down some rabbit holes. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was deep. <laughs> I only say that because I ended up like watching all these, uh, these preachers that that um, the like mega church preachers that got all you know sued and stuff mm-hmm. for taking money from Hilton people or whatever yeah, yeah all those things yeah. I don't, somehow it ended up on my screen and then I fell asleep and YouTube auto plays and so it just kept oh, going God. deeper and deeper by the time I woke up I was like what am I watching
0: <laughs>
2: it
1: was like,
0: weird people like swimming in snakes and <laughs>
1: <gotta stop sighs> no I I went from that to like judged like court sessions. And then I ended up on some some videos on sovereign citizens, which was like, I did not know that existed, but it's a thing where people like try to create a loophole around the law by Uh, saying they're not, they're like an entity, not Mm -hmm. the person. And so my laws don't apply. Your laws don't these apply are, these to are the, me. These
0: are the same people who who think they don't have to pay income tax because they found some I guess, loophole. I don't know. The, you know. I just, I just I just went down this rabbit hole on YouTube, and well, I had the, to I had to clear my history. I I told YouTube clear everything because yeah. I was like I don't want this recommended to me again. Think about the sovereign citizen people, and the people that think you can sign your driver's license, you know, without prejudice and all this stuff. Like, I mean, technically, you you may be right. Let's say that you understand the law, and like, there, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's we have some grand conspiracy thing here, and you're right doesn't matter. You're still going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're still going to come with guns to take your money if you don't pay your taxes. That's yeah. the way this country works. Yeah.
1: So anyways. <laughs> yeah.
0: What was I talking about? Out uh, of health cloud and
1: relationships. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the top is, is the individual. Mm-hmm. And so now you have these accounts that represent individuals. And then above the individual, you can have a household. And the household represents individuals. But and, and some households, used- it's not clean because in some households, you can be part of two households. You could have divorced families or, yeah. you know, you can have trustee accounts and this and that. And so it just gets really
0: complicated when it yeah. comes to relationships. Have, have you noticed, this reminds me, has, is Salesforce kind of backing off person accounts? I mean, I just don't see them. No, they. I don't see them using person they're accounts. they using them. They do? do yeah. They use it in Health Cloud? Yeah, they use them in Health Cloud and they use them in Financial Services Cloud too. Okay, because I thought you were saying that contacts
1: had to be a part of an account household. Well, they do. And you create person accounts. Like, well, pre- previously you weren't. Previously you were creating accounts and they kind of made them act they, they did a custom... I wish everyone they could see your scare quotes. They wrote, like custom, nonstop. <laughs> they wrote custom code <laughs> to make it seem like a person account, but it was just a regular account. But they had code that would make it you know, create the contact for you and all that kind of stuff yeah. and sync the fields. Um, but now, in recent releases, they have official support for person account. I'm not sure if it's like a person account 2.0 deal or what, but it's a, it's a person account, and we've transitioned to them, so we're using person accounts. Hmm.
0: Okay. You know one thing that's hard about these relationships, like a contact to contact, mm-hmm. is let's say you have like a, you know, you want like one contact record and it relates, you know, contact A to contact B and the relationship type. Mm-hmm. So maybe contact A is contact B's father. Right. Okay. But you also want to be able to say that contact B is that like contact A's son. Mm-hmm. So like there's that concept of like the inverse relationship. And I've seen like all these different w- attempts to solve this problem by yeah. creating duplicate relationships records. Yep. That's one way to do it. Um, and then the other thing, just by the way that Salesforce sells like related lists and stuff, they, they, oh, maybe that was the problem, but you have to, oh yeah. Yeah. That's the problem because mm-hmm. for every like lookup field or master detail field, um, that creates a, like a relation, like a, um, related list Mm -hmm. right so if you have a contact relationship object that has a contact A and a contact B that's two contact lookups on there so now the contact screen has two related lists Mm -hmm. and some of their if they're any relationship where they're the contact A they're in one list and any relationship where they're the contact B they're in the other list right so it's like that's other thing you have to solve yeah I've actually I've actually looked I looked at someone's solution to this because they were wanting help they're like oh my god how do I I'm deep into this thing and it sucks and I don't know what to do and I'm just like I don't know what to do either I don't know a good way to solve this well there's ways
1: to solve it the problem is how do you solve it in a way that it that you can actually write a report on or you can do something the data's not a mess you know I mean you you could technically create a junction object that just related the two together and then you define all the roles but now now you've got this tertiary level that you can't do anything with because you can't cross report down to the role and then back out you yeah. can't say, show me this guy's son. You just can't do that. You can with UI because you take the data and manipulate it and you flatten it out.
0: This, uh, I think this is just one of those things where relational, relational databases are not the right tool for this. I mean, you don't want to well, have to use a whole separate database just to store this You just have stuff, to get creative, and I guess. it kind of sucks. You, you, do, you do end up
1: eating up storage doing it. Because what you have to do is you have to create the relationship, but then you kind of create... I'm going to use another scare quote. And in it, an index file or some kind of flattened out version, summary version of it that you can display and report off of and, and do that kind of stuff. And is that
0: with. what allows you to
1: have just one related list that shows yeah. all any relationship there? Yeah. So yeah. you, you define everything so that whenever you make a change, you're not having to change it in all these different places, but you still want one central place in the UI. So you create this other data set that you maintain that's just the summary yeah. and creates yeah. it all in one list. Yeah. And it gives you the advantage of being able to report and say, "Oh, show me this guy's son or their daughters or whatever." Yep. But it's not—it's not easy no, by any means. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: <sighs> All right. Well, we could talk about Facebook's intolerant liberal culture. That's been in the news. But I don't know. Maybe we'll save that, that or not. Doesn't talk sound about fun, it. especially and, uh, when I don't feel good. We could talk about uh, Cook cashing in f- millions, like fifty million dollars in stock. That's not a big deal. He's a multi billionaire, right? No, he's just rich, man. Doesn't, doesn't Benioff still make more money than him or something like that? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't think he takes a salary. Tim Cook? Mm-hmm. I don't think he does. And he gets paid in like trillions of dollars worth of stock, though.
2: Mm-hmm. Trillion dollar it, company. You
0: know what? You know why he doesn't take a salary? Because you have to pay payroll tax on your salary. You got to pay FICA. Yeah. Guess not paying his fair share. <laughs> <laughs> and he's paying the. Um, the dividend, the, the capital gains rate. He's uh-huh. not even paying ordinary income tax rates. This guy's not paying his fair share. Well, I mean, um, what's his name? Did the same thing. Uh, this is what they all do. Well, Jobs
1: did the same thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of CEOs who do that. Yeah. Once they can bank on their
0: stock, they're like, it's smarter not to take a salary. Yeah. Yeah, capital gains tax maxes out at what What rate? It's much lower than the, the personal in, uh, earned income rates. Mm-hmm. This is a, such an American thing. Although, I, I would imagine, like, don't other countries have similar concepts? I'd imagine so. Anyway. Well, uh, John, that's all I got, and it's already five, so let's wrap this thing up. Any? Uh, do we get any, any any thing we need to cover follow-up-wise? Or Oh, I know one thing we need to cover. We need to thank Daniel Barclay for sending us some... Delicious smelling coffee. I waited to open it until today so John and I could open it together.
2: <laughs>
0: we held hands. Yeah, we did. We held the, the, <laughs> the scissors
1: together yeah. and opened it like a ribbon cutting. It was, Why don't they give people their own individual scissors? I've seen those ribbon cuttings and they have like the one big scissor and everyone's trying to put their hand on it.
0: Because then they would fight over who actually
1: cuts the ribbon first. That's dumb. Just give everyone their I own know, scissors. Or just <laughs> give like, have that many ribbons of people you're trying to honor instead of like, it was the, it was the, the last one i saw was the the park thing benioff wasn't there for some reason but um like nancy pelosi was there and everyone else and everyone was like putting, put their hand and like N- nancy has her hand on one of the one of the scissor thingies and someone else has their hand on another one and i'm like this is it's weird the,
0: the scissors like wobbling around and they can't yeah. they
1: can i'm sure cut. it's hot and steamy and everyone's all crowded together with their hands on these scissors
0: trying to take pictures and where and, do you buy those a giant pair of scissors i don't know yeah. the same place you get the giant checks it, I, bet yeah. I bet it is. I bet it is. But there's a company that just called like Giant Products Inc. <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>. Anyway, <clears throat> all right. Well, um, hey, I, we we seem to have a fairly steady stream of people joining our
2: Slack team. That what you know on our uh, on the Slack community. So that's good. That's uh, happy. I'm happy to see that. Yeah.
0: There's a delay. Sorry about that. That's okay. I that was sick. Yeah. No, we understand. Um, but yeah, the way you join that is to going to gooddaysirpodcast.com and clicking on community, and then you just put in your email address, and then John will add you when he's not sick, or maybe when he is sick. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm crazy enough to check.
2: Oh,
1: um, Dreamforce Happy Hour. We do have to promote that.
0: Okay. Do we have a date?
1: Um, no. On our site, you can go to the happy hour link. So www. www.gooddaysirpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to this site. It'll probably be a scammer uh, yeah they
0: shouldn't um, be able to do that though right it's like squat shouldn't. on our domain somehow yeah. like <laughs> i don't
1: know the world is crazy it's true uh click on the uh happy hour link and there's there's there'll be a link to a forum that uh jay and created he's uh hosting this event for us or in honor of
0: us or however that works it's not in honor of us it's just it's a community <laughs> thing i'm i'm saying words because yeah, they're yeah. coming out um so that's you're, you're signing up for like getting information about it i guess
1: yeah, the form gives you an option to kind of say what day works best okay. for you, and I think they're still trying to, re- uh, right now it's kind of defaulted to Monks, but everyone says Monks is kind of yeah. hard That's to get bloody, into, yeah. and we went to Monks, right?
0: I think so, and I think we had a hard time there. Yeah,
1: we did have a hard time there, yeah, so.
0: I mean, it's, it's also during Dreamforce, which is just, you yeah, know, it's going to be a mess.
1: Yeah, so, um, so yeah, go there and make suggestions on day and time that works for you, and then maybe a place, and hopefully uh, as a community, you guys can work that out, and
2: I don't know. Maybe Jeremy will do a FaceTime with you. Mm. Unlikely. We did it once. Yeah. Just didn't. It was,
1: it was hard to hear. It was hard to hear. It was, yeah. just, it was a
0: little awkward, but
1: we'll get you a virtual presence device. There we go. Just an iPad and yeah. a stick. Yep. On a stick.
0: All right. And if you have any questions or uh, feedback for us or topic suggestions, uh, hit us up at info at
2: uh, what else, John? Um, Leave us
0: a review on whatever, wherever you find podcasts are served, I guess. Um, hit the like button, add the stars, the hearts. Uh, no show next week unless Jeremy wants
1: to host one without me. Oh, really? You're, I'm you're out of town. town. Oh, out of I'll town. be in
0: Chicago. Oh. I heard the weather's... I heard this is a nice time to visit Chicago.
1: Oh, That'll be nice, especially since I'll be walking.
0: Yeah. As long as it's not raining, it probably will be nice. All right. Well, have fun on your trip, John. I shall. And we'll miss you. I'll miss you too. (laughs) And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing, you lose. Good day, sir.